We have so many differences as human beings, and nowhere is that more apparent than in marriage. How do we come together in our relationships? Can we resolve the different ways we see the world? Will we make villains or lovers out of our spouses? What kind of story will we write? Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. So good to see you guys. Would you do me a favor? Help me welcome all of our first-time guests, both in the room and online. We're so glad to have you guys worshiping with us today. Well, as you can tell, we're starting something new. We're kicking off a short little three-week marriage series, uh, calling it Villains and Lovers. And a really simple theme for this, the way that we see each other and the way we treat each other will really kind of determine uh, the outcome of that relationship. And so uh, we think this is going to be fun. I've got a couple of things to tell you about as we go through uh, the series. But before we do that, I want to point out one thing, especially in case you're single and you're online and you are about to hit the I'm leaving button, all right? Because every time we do a marriage series, we always have to know there are people who are not married yet or, you know, just where you are in life. And, and so not everybody always wants to do a marriage series. So I always, always want to remind you of a very simple thing. No matter what we are learning about marriage, there is always a principle that can be applied to every other relationship in your life. Whatever we're talking about in the context of husband and wife can help you have a better relationship with your parents, with your children, with coworkers, with bosses, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, even if you're single right now, uh, Stick in with this. It's going to be good for you. I promise you're going to get some great stuff out of it. And you're also going to just really hear some great stories. Because here's how we're going to do the series. Next week, my wife and I are going to share with you a little bit of our story and what God has done. And uh, I'll share with you as many stories as my wife will allow, just so you know. So y'all need to be either praying or paying her off, one of the two this week. Because usually every time I want to share a really great story, she's like, no, no. Anyway. And uh, then the final week of this, uh, three weeks from today, I guess, February 28th, actually, I guess with three Sundays, that's actually just two weeks. But anyway, here on Sunday night, February 28th, we're going to do a Q&A sex talk. And uh, here's the reason for that. Uh, people have a lot of questions. Uh, you know, there's a special privilege we have in marriage, and, and we sometimes have questions about what's biblical and, and what's going on in the world and, and what the world says and whatever. If the church doesn't talk about it, then it leaves you only to, to go and Google and then you find out stuff you probably don't need to know. So that's why we do this. And so we'll have our pastoral team and some wives and, 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 and be up here with you and uh, answer your questions. And they're totally anonymous. So go ahead and make plans to join us. That Sunday evening, we will have nursery. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. That's all I can say. So what we're going to do to kick off the series today, uh, actually the whole theme of this it was kind of centered around some friends of ours. My wife and I were on a, a ministry trip in Israel with some of our best friends in ministry, another pastor couple. They pastor a great church in North Carolina. And, and uh, we thought we had a, a really crazy turnaround story in marriage. And they told us theirs. And I just sat there with my mouth open like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, how are you not in jail? You know, that kind of thing. And so we said, uh, I want to take this song I've heard, uh, which you just heard, and uh, we want to do a marriage series with you guys in it. And so we actually have waited two years to be able to use this theme to get them here. And uh, I promise it's worth the wait. So would you guys do me a favor? Help me welcome to the stage our good friends, Eric and Lonnie Schultz. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. It's great to be with you guys today. Grace Life. So uh, thank you so much for having us. It is an honor to be here with you guys. And uh, Man, we've been looking forward to it, I think, for the last two years, like it's Jimmy true, we said. have. So uh, we love Pastor Jimmy and his wife, Ramona. We've known them for years. In fact, I originally met Jimmy uh, back in Bible college. So it was uh, man, some years ago. I don't know how many bit. years ago it was. Ago. 
But uh, yeah, we had some fun. We had some fun together, and we've partnered, our church and your church has partnered together uh, doing some things over the years. We've partnered together to reach some unreached, unengaged people groups over the years, some other ministry endeavors, and so we're just excited to be here. Uh, We were here a couple years ago when you guys uh, opened up this great facility and just celebrating what Grace Life has done over the years. And so my name is Eric. I want to introduce myself. My name is Eric. This is my wonderful wife, and I would say very attractive woman, Lonnie <laughs> Thank here. Thank you. <laughs> so that's like here. five gold stars. You know, that's I'm just right. going to rack them up throughout the uh-huh. sermon today, you know. Keep it coming. All right. Sounds good. We, uh, we've been married for over 20 years. In fact, 21 years this August 24th. Well done. All right. Well done. Five more gold stars. <laughs> right. We made it simple. Made it simple on him. We got married in 2000, so it but, should be pretty easy. Absolutely. I was born in an even year, got married in an even year. I mean, right. that's pretty easy. Whatever year it is, that's how many years we've been married. Come on, guys. You know, that's like yeah. Jesus right there. Yes. I mean, it couldn't happen any other way. We have been excited about that. Listen, when Jimmy first asked to come here and to speak on marriage and to share on marriage, uh, we were excited because for us, marriage is an extremely important mm-hmm. topic. It's extremely important in our life, but uh, we didn't always value marriage the way that we do today. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes, but the Bible has so many great things to say about marriage. There's a lot of verses on marriage. There's one I wanna to read to you in just a minute. It's found in Matthew 19, verses five and six. And like Jimmy said, you know, I understand if you're not married, at one point we weren't married and a couple would get up and talk about marriage and I'd say to myself, all right, well, I mean, you know, one day this will matter to me. What I didn't realize is that if I would have paid attention then, maybe our marriage would have been a little different when it was going south. Yeah. Uh, so whether you're married or whether you're not, maybe you're looking to get married. Maybe you're just about to get married. That's like the perfect time, right? right? Uh, or maybe you got some crazy stuff going on in your marriage, or maybe you're divorced and you're thinking about getting remarried, or maybe you've been divorced a couple times and you're thinking about getting remarried. Um, I'm gonna read you this verse. It's Matthew 19, verses five and six. And this is Jesus speaking here, and he's addressing the Pharisees. The Pharisees come, and they ask him some ideas about marriage and about divorce, and he makes a couple statements about marriage. In fact, he he quotes Genesis 2, I think it's verse 26 or 27. Jesus says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So he makes this statement, this quote from Genesis, and then he, he kind of backs up. You know when you make a statement to someone, maybe it's your kids if you have children, you kind of maybe you read a, an article or a quote. So you step back and you say, okay, so let me, let me wrap this up again. So they're no longer two, but they're one flesh. They're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. This is such a great verse. But nowhere in there does it say, uh, let two become one, and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I wish that's what that verse said. Because if it did, I think that we'd just get married and then none of us would ever have any trouble again. We'd never have any issues. We'd never have a fight. We'd never have an argument. We would just live happily ever after. That'd have been pretty awesome. I would love that very much. So our God is in the story or is in the business of restoration and redemption no matter what the sin is. You guys know that? Amen. He redeems us. He restores us. And our story isn't about the terrible marriage that we had, although we did, uh, and the horrible people we once were. Our story is about God's story being able to show love and mercy no matter what the situation that you're in. That's right. That's right. Now, a little bit of backstory. So when we got married, we thought that we were ready. We thought we were ready for marriage. We thought we knew everything about marriage at the ripe old age of 17 and 20. 
Yeah. So we got married when we were babies. I mean, 20 is not so bad. 17 is a little young. It was an arranged marriage. It was you know. not an arranged marriage. My parents, yeah. Um, it, we Although, were young. We'll tell you about we, them in a minute. Although now we have kids, sometimes I think that might not be a bad idea. You know what I'm true. saying? Bring it back. No. <laughs> Um, but so young, in fact, actually my parents, because I was underage, my parents had to go with us to the courthouse and they had to sign some documents to allow me yeah. to marry this guy. So listen, so first I'm going to interrupt my wife a couple of times. Don't, don't think I'm being rude. We just, no, we just, this is how we flow. <laughs> yeah. They'll interrupt. So I just, these things, they spark off in my mind, you know, she's telling this story about how we had to go to the courthouse. So in my mind, this is how this went, that we go to the courthouse and so I asked her dad, hey, could I marry your daughter? And she was 16 at the time 16 that I at asked. The time. So that's young, right? Um, I, I, I love you. I love you, Marty, if you're watching right now. But I don't know. I mean, I'm like, bro, I'm glad now you trusted me. we have kids, me. yeah. I'm glad you, yes, exactly. That's my father Not happening. And, <laughs> and so uh, we go to the courthouse. And, you know, the, the clerk is there. And we go, and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, well, basically what her parents are doing is they're signing her over to me. I'm gonna be her legal guardian now, you know? I'm like, you know, who's your daddy kind of thing, you know? I mean, I'm like, so. That's the first thing that went wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking that's where it all started. It probably did. You know, so we had to go through that and we get married. We thought we already knew how life worked. We thought we already knew how the world worked. You know, we knew everything. We met at church. Right, yeah. two kids. We meet at church. We were both saved. We, you know, fell in love. The whole thing. And since we were both driven, very driven people, we were both very passionate people. We still are both of those things. Very much. Uh, we decided we're going to jump right in. Both feet. We're going to get married. We take off to Costa Rica. Yeah, beautiful. For our honeymoon, for a week in Costa Rica. You know, it was awesome. We, um, you know, stayed on the side of a volcano, and then we went ziplining in the rainforest. If you ever get a chance to go, go, it is beautiful. It's there. an amazing country. Um, you know, we soaked up that honeymoon phase. We get home, we get somewhat adjusted, and that honeymoon phase, you know, lasts for about six months, and then yeah. Yeah. it stops, Stop. and it completely, you know, wake up call. We soon found out we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. Yeah. No idea what we were doing. We're married, we're young. I was a free-spirited, go with the flow, creative type. He was your typical type A, ultra-organized. He had color-coded clothes hangers Listen. in the closet. Um, Listen. <laughs> no, it's true. Well, it was I'm all about organization, guys. All right, so <laughs> listen, I think, it's, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant to have color-coded clothes hangers because you know, I, I know today, right now, I know in my closet what jeans are missing, what khakis are missing. I know, what, I know that this shirt is not there because I took it off of the hanger that it is on. Some people would say that's weird. I would say- I say it's weird. I would say that that's, that's brilliant. That's I would brilliant. say it's weird. I'm some people, it's weird. It might be a little weird. <laughs> Wow. So I think people agree with you. Yeah, well, they just, well, may. I don't know. But I will say that ended up being an issue because I had my own. Um, Tell them about your organizational method. My organizational method was like piles. Yes. So I had piles of stuff, but I knew where everything was. It was just in, in piles. Mm -hmm. um, so over the years, again, we'll be married 21 years. We have both loosened up in our methods of organization. Yeah. Basically, we do the pile method now. That's so, right. yes. <laughs> we don't do, there's a little piles going on, but you know, no more color coded. They only sit there for two or three days. You know, it's not listen, long. And then they get on the hangers. Eventually. Listen, 
your gold star system is like plummeting. <laughs> I took a few down. <laughs> no, but you know, all that, you take two people, we're very different. Again, remember I said we were very driven, we were yeah. very passionate. What I didn't mention earlier was that we were both extremely strong-willed. Now, yeah. the thing about being strong-willed, I truly believe that strong wills come from God. I think they're great. Amen. We've got children. Some of them have strong wills. I am, am for strong wills because I believe God puts that in a person. However, when those strong wills are not submitted to Christ, Absolutely. then it becomes a problem. Yeah. And that was yeah. our problem. And we have the opposite. We're trying to instill strong will in our child. We're not trying to take right, away their strong will. Right. We're trying to instill it, Just but we're it, trying to guide right? it. You want to guide that right. sucker. Yeah. So we were unguided, yeah. right? We yeah. had these Bingo. mentalities, <laughs> my way or the highway. So when I'm sitting here going my way or the highway, and he's sitting there going yeah. my way or the highway, it just didn't work. It's that, that mentality is not going to work in marriage, and really it doesn't work in any relationship no, that you're in. And so what happens when you have two people that are very different, that are very strong-willed and, and unyielding, you begin to fight. Surprise. Yeah. And um, that really became our normal method of communicating, yeah. right? If you want to call it communicating. <clears throat> but at, with each fight, it intensified, and things just got from bad to worse very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, we would fight about anything and everything. I mean, everything. There wasn't anything we wouldn't fight about. No. And we would just go and take it to the max. Like and, toothpaste. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was I mean, like little things. I mean, like you'd think you don't fight about. No, yeah. toothpaste. That, that was actually a huge fight. Well, you know, when, man, when I, when I got married, I just didn't know any better. And so I just thought that she was going to do everything the way that I wanted her to do it. I mean, <laughs> I just thought that's how marriage worked, right? I don't know. I never thought about doing something the way that she wanted to do it. So, you know, <laughs> if there was a brand of toothpaste or a brand of shampoo or, you know, where do you keep the bread? You know, it's the old things, right? Like, where do you keep the bread? Do you keep it on the counter? Well, in my house, maybe we didn't have counter space. We kept it in the oven. We didn't turn it on. You know, we just kept it there to <laughs> store it there. And so she's like, you know, I don't remember. We keep it in the refrigerator. I'm like, we don't keep bread in the refrigerator. Like, we keep it in the oven, honey. Anything <laughs> was a fight. I mean, anything is, yeah. is nonsense. But from that fighting, it went to all sorts of different forms of abuse. So we had all sorts of physical abuse mm -hmm. because the fighting continued and continued. So if you're passionate and you're driven and you don't put that in the right direction, you know what happens? You put it in the wrong direction. That's true. And so in the wrong direction, we would just fight more and more and more. And that went both ways. It would. Physical yeah, I mean, it went both ways. Um, luckily, I never balled up my fist and hit my wife in the face. Thank God. Yes. Um, and listen, if you've done that, then there is redemption and forgiveness Absolutely. even for that. It's Absolutely. true. Um, I didn't do that. But there was all sorts of other types of physical abuse that happened in our relationship. Um, it did. There was emotional abuse. There was severe internal brokenness mm -hmm. in between us. I mean, all sorts of stuff. We lived in a neighborhood uh, our first house was a single wide trailer in the worst part of it was town. It a bad part of town. Worst part of town. And so, you know, we would be yelling and screaming and, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, there was not a, a wall in the house that did not have multiple holes punched in it, right? Break down doors, kick open doors. I mean, it's, it's like, it's yeah, it's like the bumper video you guys saw, I yeah. mean, but extreme. Uh, and so that would just happen again and again and again. No one called the and, uh, cops, though. Yeah, no one called the cops, because when you're in the worst part of town, yeah. you don't want nobody the cops wants to come. The cops you know what I mean? So, so we got lucky. You know, I mean, nobody's so calling had, them. No, nobody's calling yeah. them. So, uh, you know, there was sexual and verbal abuse. 
um, man, just cussing and yelling and screaming all the time. There was mental abuse, of course, you know, the control and manipulation. Mm -hmm. We got to know each other well enough that we really knew the most hurtful things right. about the other person. And so there are some things that some people, like, you just don't go there. No, we got way beyond that <laughs> yeah. line. We're like, no, we became professionals of going there yes. just to hurt the other person as much as we possibly could. The thing is, when you start to get used to living that way, your private life starts to become public because you just get so used to it. You get so comfortable with right. it that you don't even realize now that you're carrying it out of the home into the grocery stores. There was this one time where we were in the grocery store and we're yelling and screaming. I mean like yelling and screaming at each other. Like, you know, you don't usually see that much. Well, we're doing it everywhere we yeah. go. And my wife gets so mad. And, and my, my mom, for our engagement ring, had given us my grandma's uh, like hand-me-down. Well, not a hand-me-down. That sounds heirloom. like horrible. An heirloom. heirloom. You don't hand-me-down diamonds. Mom, I'm sorry. We don't, you don't hand-me-down diamonds. It's a, it's a family heirloom. Right. right? It's That's a family heirloom. Exactly. Family heirloom. And so that gets handed down to me to give to the woman that I'm going to ask to be my wife. And so beautiful. I ask my... One carat, beautiful. Exactly. Beautiful, beautiful. We could have never afforded it. I mean, just amazing. Yeah. Um, so I give it to her. Well, she decides in that moment. She knows this, this, this means something to me. So in the grocery store, remember, we're public, we're all the way. So she takes off our family hand-me-down heirloom. <laughs> And she throws it up in the grocery store over the aisles. Over the aisles. There it goes. And I, I just see dollar signs, you know what I mean? Like flying across the aisle. And luckily I walk around, I run around to the like two or three aisles over and you know, I have to reach in, you know how the grocery store has the underneath to look and um, You've probably never done that, so you don't know what it is, but I'm reaching <laughs> in, I find it like right away. You did find I come it right back. away, I can't believe it. I didn't give it to you right then. No, you did not. Um, but I, I think probably. I put it in my pocket and actually, I think I, I left you that you left time, me didn't there. I? You left yeah. me there, yes. Now, the thing was, we didn't have Uber, you know, in that no. time. There was no Uber. And I was we ridiculous. probably should have just driven separately yeah. everywhere we went because I was getting left everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> Can't take out the phone. There's no Uber. There's no, no it's Lyft. True. There's I mean, no, it's phone a friend back in that day, right? So I'm phoning friends left so and right, like, hey, guys, um, left again. Can you come get me? And yeah. they knew. They knew the drill. They were like, ah. You know, so, yeah, you left me there. I know. Do you remember the time at Applebee's? <laughs> I do remember the time at Applebee's. <laughs> yeah. Um, another moment that's not one of our finest. Do y'all have an Applebee's in Columbia? Applebee's. Yeah, y'all got okay. Applebee's. So we loved Applebee's back in the day. Not that we don't now, but, you know. Um, we were eating dinner. So we fought all the time, but, you know, two people, no kids. We, we went out to dinner, like, all the time. And... Um, we're sitting down, and of course, we're fighting about whatever. And Eric reaches his hand across the table to try something off my plate. So, especially back in the day, oh, yeah. I didn't share food. No. Like, I didn't share food. That was a big no. thing. <laughs> it's, still, it's still kind of that way today. I mean, it's, listen. If she's cooked, maybe, maybe if I took a bite. Now, not a bite off her plate, because we don't eat, eat after each other that's, a lot. That's anyways. a you thing. Some, that's a me thing. That's I think that goes thing. back to the colored hanger thing a little bit, it's right? It's true. He's... Anybody got some counseling they could do for yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if, if, I'm, if she's cooking in the kitchen, and I, if I put my finger into the pot while she's cooking, First oh, that's going to be a problem. Who does that? That's true. Second of all, it's... I do. No. That's a big no-no. There's another so, guy here listen. that does it, and we're going to so, unite, and we're going to say that it's okay to do it. Yeah, well, at the time, in this time frame, I didn't share food. Yeah. It was a big deal. Don't touch my plate, the whole thing, let alone when you're fighting. 
So we're fighting, yeah. and here comes the hand, and it's coming, and it's coming. And I don't know, I, was, I wasn't thinking, but I gave him a little poke with my fork. A little poke? <laughs> I mean, it didn't go through and put my hand to the table, but I mean, it drew blood, no, all four I prongs. I stabbed him with my fork. Like, it was a, like, kapow. It I was mean, like, back off. Buddy. In Applebee's. And so we start screaming and yelling. Yeah, Do you remember the waiter? Go well. The waiter's in the corner. Yeah. scared to death. He's not coming back to the table. Never. Uh, Never. Not coming back until we're like, check, please. And he was yeah. like, here, get. I know. Um, he didn't want to get stabbed. No. He was worried to put his hand right. there. Again, so not my finest moment. And, you know, we can look at these memories. We can look back on these memories. And it was horrible times. And we can laugh about it now because it's just crazy. You yeah. know, we laugh and, and we think of, you know, the people that we used to be. And we, and we can laugh at it. But this was our every day. Yeah. You know, we were broken. Our lives together, they were just vile. And as Eric mentioned, every area of our relationship was vile and broken. Yeah, right. um, and that included our intimate relationship, as he touched a little bit on earlier. And, you know, being a woman who's been hurt by her spouse in many different ways, I was angry, I was hurt, and I grasped for control in any which way I could. And that, yeah. and that included the bedroom. Yeah, you know, intimacy is a big part of marriage. It's a big part of marriage. And there's a lot of relationships that are broken around this idea of intimacy. And so for us, intimacy was non-existent. I mean, nothing. Not just intimacy, but not even physical sex. So there was a five-year period during those five years. This, this whole period was five years. And uh, that whole five years, we didn't so much as share one kiss one hug, or even hold each other's hand, not one time in five years. Six months after we get married, complete celibacy inside of marriage for five years. It was long. I mean, it was, and it was, it was hard. I mean, it was just such a, this um, amazing amount of, of brokenness. In fact, at this time, around, well, I guess around year three or four inside of our marriage, we said, man, we got to get some help, right? We got to get some counseling. We went to see Christian counselors. We went to see secular <laughs> counselors. We went to see everybody we could get our hands on. In fact, there was this one time we were in this lady's office, great lady, great counselor, and she sits us down. She goes, okay, tell me your story. Tell me what's going on. And I think it was the second time that we had went to see her. And, and she sits back at the end of the session and she says, you know, guys, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I see no hope for your marriage. Um, I really think that you should get divorced. I don't know why you're together. I mean, like a counselor is telling us right, that. Right, at this point, and we're so kind of like... We actually started laughing. What? I mean, like, we walked out of there. This isn't we what we just, paid for? No, exactly. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I'm the money guy, right? And I'm thinking, I want my money back, lady. No. <laughs> And so I'm like, what in the world's going on? Like, what are we gonna do? And it was about the four year period, we start to go through that process and people say the opposite of love is hate. And there's definitely some hate, but honestly, the opposite of love is indifference. It's indifference, it's when you don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And so for us, about that fourth year into this process, I mean, we just stopped caring completely. And so for a one year period, we are complete strangers living in the same house. Mm -hmm. we're, we're going to work. We have a similar set of friends and a separate set of friends. You know, we're living life. We'll eat dinner together. We come home to the same home. We're sleeping in the same bed almost every night. I mean, there were some times of separation in there, but basically sleeping in the same bed every single night, never a hug, never a kiss, never a, you know, none of that. Barely spoke, um, I think. Barely spoke for an entire year of marriage, an entire year. And it was around the end of that year that I just realized that I was so broken that I just couldn't go on anymore. 
I mean, it was just too much. I was my, my yeah, you ever been just that empty, that broken, that burden, that heavy? Mm-hmm. And I remember going to God and I said, God, listen. And I, and I knew him. I mean, I, I've served him. I've known him since I was a little kid. It was just this area of marriage. And, and I had never walked away up to this point because I knew that God could do something different. And if I walked away, it meant that I was, in a sense, quitting and throwing in the towel. It was really a position of pride at the time, but I just got to the spot where I said, God, you got 30 days. You got 30 days, and if you don't do a miracle in 30 days, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. And it was pride, but it really was a position of brokenness. I just, I didn't have anything left. I was broken. I was broken. And so I start to walk through this period of this 30 days, and I didn't realize that God was doing something in my wife's heart at the exact same time that he was doing something in my heart. It's true. At the same time, actually, we didn't know that God was simultaneously working on each of us We're living separate lives. We didn't know this probably until about a year after reconciliation. So we had no idea. But at the same time, he was, you know, dealing with Eric in his heart. I was hitting rock bottom in 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 my personal life. So not only was our marriage um, in shambles, I personally was in shambles and I had hit rock rock bottom there. I was finished. There was nothing left of me. I had contemplated ending it all. Um, Thankfully, I didn't go down that road. Um, But it was just, I had had enough. There was was nothing left. I had no friends or family that I was close to anymore. My marriage, of course, we were not close. So I was alone and had nothing left to give anyone. And at that point, I told God, you know, just as Eric kind of gave God his own ultimatum, I kind of, I was just like, look, take your best shot. Um, I have done a horrible job at life, pretty much, not just my marriage, but at life up to this point. So, you know, if you could do better, you know, please, by all means, you take your best shot. And what we didn't realize at the time, so again, we didn't realize that even in our posture, it wasn't the best way to speak to the Lord at that time, but in those little acts that we were doing, we were actually submitting our will just ever so slightly in those moments because what we were doing is we were admitting that we didn't have the answer any longer, that, you know, like we thought we did, we didn't have the answer, but we knew that if God could do something, we wanted him to at least take a stab at it. Absolutely. And he did. And when he went to work, he went to work fast. Yeah. Um, in that 30 days, now, I didn't know about the whole 30-day thing, which... Right. Cool, you know, but in that 30 days, we started having conversations that were actually enjoyable. So remember, we weren't even having conversations. Right. So we had conversations that were enjoyable. Yep. We were able to smile and to laugh a little bit because before that, there there were no smiles. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no laughing. We started to notice small acts of kindness. Now, when you're in a marriage and the only acts within that marriage are hurtful and abusive or just unkind those small acts of kindness are noticed immediately. So you start to notice these small acts of kindness. Um, In that time period, intimacy was restored in a healthy and loving way. And I think within 60 days, we were actually expecting our first child. And so there were no fights at that point. There was no abuse um, any longer. God had come in and he was radically changing our lives and our marriage. And um, we haven't had another fight or anything that resembled that time period ever since that. It was a complete 180. 
I mean, a complete, like as a marriage miracle, you know? It was a complete 180. I mean, we're still passionate driven people. Right. So do I always see things the way she does? No. no. Uh, does she always see things the way Absolutely I do? Absolutely not. A little more than she used to, but no, I'm just kidding. And uh, well, that's probably true for both of us. We do see things the way each other sees them sometimes. sometimes. But when we chose to lay down our wills, God was able to come in and do an amazing work. God came in and began to radically change our lives and redeem those years. Um, you know, we didn't have any kids, weren't gonna have kids. Uh, some yeah, reasons in which we no should have never had kids. True. And God just came in and did an amazing thing. In fact, I have a picture of our family that I just wanted to share with you guys. So here on the screen, that's our wonderful family. We have six children now yes. um, from, uh, from a great marriage the last 15 plus years. So it's me and my wife. We have three boys and three girls, uh, which is awesome. We love them. Exciting. Uh, 14 to four years old. And uh, man, just an amazing story about how God can redeem, not just restore a relationship, but can redeem lost years. Because, you know, the reality is, is five years is a long time to lose, you could feel like, how am I ever gonna get those years back? Well, it's gone, how am I gonna get it back? In one way you can't. In one way you can't. In one way you can't. But in another way, God can redeem Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And now, the, those five years, as we've been prepping and getting ready to share this with you guys, I mean, just remembering some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it makes us smile because you know, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? So we, we are strong because we know that we have joy because there's one day that could be greater than even the day that we're in. And, and that joy just holds us together. Right. You know, even as I'm worshiping with you guys this morning and I'm praying and, and I'm just putting my hands up and celebrating God, and, and we just thank you guys for allowing us to come and experience God's presence with you. Because there's something, there's something special about that, right? To be able to come and experience God's presence with you. You feel connected, you feel close to somebody one that does that when you do that. And there were some lessons that we learned over those five years for sure. I wanna share a couple of verses with you as we kind of move towards the close. Um, we learned that life is a series of choices, right? Mm -hmm. Life is a series of choices. The words that we say and the actions that we make are all choices. In Proverbs 28 or Proverbs 18, 21, it says, the tongue is the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. And our words have power. That's right. What we say to one another has power to bring the, the choice of either, either life or death. So I want you to know that what you say and what comes out of your mouth, while it may seem like it's minuscule and it's just small at the moment, it carries so much more power That's than right. you realize. But then look at Matthew 15, 18. It says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. So what comes out of your mouth is connected to your heart, absolutely. It's true, and we not only need to be aware of what we're saying, we need to be aware of what's in our heart, right? Because that's, that's the point of that verse. What, what's coming out of your mouth is what is tied to, your, to what's in your heart. And if what's coming out of your mouth is not bringing life, then you need to ask God to search your heart. Yeah. I mean, not just, I mean, yes, you need to stop, not just stop, but then you need to ask God to search your heart. You know, he was saying life is a series of choices. We choose to love, we choose to respect, we choose to have humility, we choose to be patient and kind. Relationships require these things. Um, just as we have the ability to choose poorly, we have the opportunity to choose well. Right. And that first choice uh, it, it needs to take place in choosing Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, whether you've been saved for 50 years yeah. or whether you know maybe you haven't yet met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that first choice must be 
Jesus. We must invite him into our lives, into our relationships. Yeah. And it's that submission of the will that we spoke about earlier. It's got to start and end with Jesus. Absolutely. There's one other verse I want to share with you guys. I love this verse. I love the book of Titus. If you guys haven't read it, you should definitely invest some time reading mm-hmm. it. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7 says this. It says, at one time, we were, and my wife and I definitely mm-hmm. were, were too foolish, uh, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Uh, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, uh, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. And I love the beginning of that. You know, it talks about all this at one time, right? At one time, we're foolish, we're doing crazy things, we hate each other, we're hated by each other, and, and that's just, it's just kind of how we walked our life out. But then the kindness and goodness of God, you know what that verse says? The kindness and goodness of God appeared. He just appeared. He was there. Regardless of where you at, you're at in your situation in your life right now, God has the ability to appear. And when he appears, everything changes. The truth is, is that we think he's always there. Sometimes we just have to open up our eyes and say, God, we want to see you. We want to see you work in our marriage. We want to see you work in our relationships. We want to see you work in our family or raising of our children or even our finances. It says he appeared and he saved us. He changed us. He made things right by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. You know, our God is not stingy. He can't wait. He's a generous God. He can't wait to see your life restored. He can't wait to see the years lost of things that you've had redeemed to come back full and experience the fullness and blessing and hope that you can have in God with your family and your relationships. Then in verse seven, I love it. It says, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. You see what happened in five short verses? We're lost doing crazy stuff. Christ appeared, and in five short verses, we're completely changed, and now we're heirs with him. We're not where we were. We're in a completely new position in life. We're a new creation. And so I'm so excited about what God can do in the context of any relationship, in any situation. This sermon is not about us. This this time together is not about us. It's about a God and his transforming power in the lives of his children. Every single one of us here has a story. Every one of us has a story. It may not be a story like ours, and that's a good thing, but you do have a story that is being written right now. Your life, like ours, is a series of choices. But the first choice begins with Jesus. What my wife and I would like to do is we would just like to pray for you, church. Just to, we just feel like in our, in, our, in our life that God has just given us the opportunity just to be able to pray for couples. And we don't have time to pray for every single couple that's here right now, but we do have an opportunity to pray for you as a group. So would you guys just bow your heads and let us pray for you, Father? We come before you today, Lord. And even as I'm worshiping this morning, Father, and I'm thinking about how good that you are, God, Lord, I pray that your joy would just come in relationships, Father. It's your joy that I think holds us together like glue. 
And so, Lord, as we look for the day of, of better days, Lord, if we're struggling right now, Lord, I pray that you would just infuse your joy, that you would just appear to people right now, Father, in whatever situation that they're in, they may feel hated. They may have hate in their heart towards someone else or their spouse, but Lord, I pray that you would just appear and you would do great things, Father, and you would change their situation and you would help us to understand that we are heirs with you, Lord. God, you're so good. We pray that you would be with us right now, Lord. Help us to walk out of here changed, not being like the way when we came in, Father. Lord, you're so good to us. We love you and we thank you. There's one more prayer I'd like to invite you to pray if you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And if you're here this morning and you wanna make Jesus king of your life, if you wanna invite him in, if you need him to appear in your life for the very first time, I'm gonna pray. And I'm just gonna ask you to say a prayer just under your breath as I pray. Would you pray this prayer with me? Just say under your breath, dear Lord, I come before you. I make you number one in my life. I make you my king. Lord, I lay my life down and I submit to you, Father, right now, God. I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. And Lord, I pray that you would do an amazing life change in me. And I pray you to help me with that life change every step of every day of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen, amen. Can we put our hands together for anyone that's making that decision right now? Thank you.